0: Today my mom Laura opens up about three powerful stories in her life. She talks about her spiritual journey and deciding in college what path she would take for the future. Not very many people have done an Ironman, so listen to her personal experience with the race. The last story is about her health and what she went through just a few years ago when her body started attacking itself. So mom, you actually didn't tell us very much detail when we were younger about this topic. And I'm curious why, but I know that you struggled with the church in your teen years. So can you tell me about that? I grew up
1: obedient, strict, did whatever I was told and believed it and followed my parents. Then we moved to California (laughs) and that was where we first started having questions about. I, I had a hard time balancing friends and the world and the church. I was more taught... We were obedient by fear, and I've learned that I don't like that now. We wanted to please our parents. As I grew up, I was pushed
0: between friends and parents, and the church went to the parents' side. Because with your friends, it wasn't cool to do church, or the boundaries that the church set weren't as popular? So when we moved to California,
1: we moved from Massachusetts, so it was a huge jump, and we went from fifth grade in Massachusetts, the sixth grade in California, and that was junior high. And I showed up and all of a sudden all these girls had the perfect hair and makeup and clothes and they cared about how they dressed. And I was a big outsider. I had been running around with my brothers. I was a tomboy I didn't care. My mom would nag me about brushing my hair and sitting still to do that, and that was hard. And so the change from Massachusetts to California was a huge change. I think I kind of got sucked into wanting to play the cool game and wanting to fit in. For the first six months, the girls in the ward purposely ignored me and would not talk to me. And they kind of set a pack with each other to leave me out. And it was a struggle, and I did not want to go to church, and it broke me. But then my dad said, let's have a big swim party, and you can invite all of these people.
0: And make friends.
1: Yeah, and so he heated up our swimming pool in January, which is unheard of, and to invite these friends over to swim, and hoping that we can make friends. And at that time, I think the girls kind of broke down and started being friends with me. But that was the first time where the social part of church was hard. And I think that that's kind of
0: began the questioning. Okay. Yeah. So that was probably, that was in like sixth grade. Yeah. So then it was kind of a struggle for a few years. How was your testimony for those few years?
1: I went because I was supposed to, and I knew, you know, Wednesday night activities, I my mom was in school finishing her degree at san jose state university and i was walking to church to get to the activity so i knew it was important i just did it because i was supposed to and it was a habit and then it wasn't until right around 15 in high school that i really started questioning the difference between being in the world and not part of the world And I had the summer before I turned 16. Well, the summer I turned 16, I got my first boyfriend. It was fun to finally be accepted into a fun crowd. Good kids, but none of them were members of the church. And they were wonderful people, wonderful kids. I still keep in touch with a few of them. I never had friends in the church that I could hang out with. And so that kind of pushed me a little more. So would you say it was because
0: of your group of friends that you slowly stopped going to church?
1: No, I had, in order to be on my own, I had to kind of step away a little bit. And it's interesting that you can still go to church every Sunday, but not be active. Once I was 16, I would go to the Laurels class for young women's, which is the 16 17, 18-year-olds, before graduation, I would go there and I would sit there, but I didn't participate as much. I didn't go to as many activities. Pulled away a little more and hung out more with my friends outside of church. Then I headed off to college, and I had gotten into BYU only because my, I had gotten denied And my dad sent a letter to them, really upset. And they put me on a probationary. If I would go in the summer, then I could go to BYU and then prove I could do the work and then I could go. But I didn't want to go to BYU because I felt a pressure that everybody in the ward, everybody in the church went to BYU. I loved to ski and my brothers and I were big into skiing at that time and competing. I wanted to be on a ski team And at that time, BYU had a ski club, and they were actually a really good ski club. And so I looked at different colleges and decided I wanted to go to Colorado State University. And I thought, there's no way I'd get accepted to that. And I think that's why my parents let me um, apply. And then I got in. My mind was made up. I wanted to go. And even though I was going to church, I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't letting myself feel the spirit. So then I went to Colorado State, and I never went to church. I did a couple times just because every week when my parents would call, I felt bad telling them, trying to come up with excuses why I didn't. And so for that year, I hardly went to church and kind of slipped more into the worldly part of things. Something was still in me. It wasn't until I went home and I was living, my parents moved from California up to Washington, and I had gotten my own apartment. And i was by myself i remember just thinking about my brothers and their missions and wondering how could this book this book of mormon convert people and i knew stories from it i mean our family would sit around as children and read out loud to each other and that's how we learned to read was with the book of mormon but i didn't follow the chronological order i didn't understand the power it had to fill the spirit i didn't understand the the gospel teachings in it but i knew who Nephi and Lehi were. So I started reading it myself. And at that time, Jonathan, my youngest brother, had left on his mission to Chile. And so I I thought a lot about him. And he was the only one that would not criticize me and not judge me for things.
0: At this point, did your family kind of know that you weren't super active? I don't think they ever knew. And I just kept it
1: private. And so nobody really knew, except Jonathan must have sent something. And so he would send me letters and just was sweet and just an outpouring of love. His example made me wonder how can he be teaching people about the Book of Mormon. So I picked up the Book of Mormon and started reading it myself. And suddenly the pages became alive and it made sense. And because I was reading it so fast, I could follow the storyline. And I could follow from one generation to the next and the bad guys and the good guys. And I could feel the spirit of these Prophets testifying of Jesus Christ before he had come. And it just overtook me. You know, I immediately called my bishop and went and met with him and had the most wonderful experience with him. And I told him that I wanted to serve a mission because of my brother and because of the Book of Mormon, because I felt the Spirit, and that was the best way to feel the Spirit. I broke up with a boyfriend that I had been dating for four years that wasn't a member. And this was my parents were fantastic. As soon as I called them and said, I'm ready to move, and I headed um, up to Washington, and my mom came down, and she helped me pack up my apartment, so that, in a nutshell, is kind of...
0: I feel like that's such a quick turnaround for you to be in college, not going to church, and then from one moment to the next, you're reading the Book of Mormon, and you're like, I want to serve a mission. How did you feel worthy enough to be a missionary when you hadn't even been going to church for the past couple years? Well, luckily,
1: it took six months And it was meeting with my priesthood leaders it was jumping in because i wanted to there's an importance to getting into a ward and serving and as you serve and get integrated that helped with developing the good habits and being able to be there because i wanted to be there but it took love not anyone saying you should be doing this calling or you're supposed to be here you're supposed to wear that you're supposed to yeah now I continued to read the Book of Mormon and then prepare to go to the temple and getting myself away from some toxic stuff in California and coming up and to my parents' home
0: helped. Were you nervous to tell your own kids that you struggled in the church?
1: Yeah. Two reasons. One, I didn't want you to fall down the same path that I did. I had touched the stove and I don't want you to touch the stove. I wanted you to trust me. Second, I have an incredibly strong testimony of the atonement and we're told that Christ took our sins for us and that we could repent and that the Lord would remember them no more. And how could the Lord forget if I keep bringing them up and talking about them? And so I didn't feel like I needed to share too much And so many people don't know
0: of my struggles before my mission. I guess now I appreciate you sharing and opening up, even though it is in the past. And I don't want people to think that you struggle in the church because you have in the past. But I appreciate you talking about it because it helps people who do feel like they're going through a hard time in the church to know that one, you understand people could come to you and you could empathize with them. And two, that that doesn't mean that's your road for the rest of your life. You can go through a season of, of struggling. And then you can also be very strong in the church later. Like you are one of the strongest people I know. Like I personally know your testimony very strong since that time. Have you ever struggled with going to church?
1: at your phase of life yes you with a young mom i bring my kids to church i they don't want to go to nursery you go to church you stand in the hallways and you wonder why am i here i'm not getting anything out of it you're supposed to be here and so what kind of started me not liking to go to church the i'm supposed to be here ended up teaching me to be back there ever since coming back The greatest joys I have ever felt is my family. And I I guess being a church that focus on the family, this brings me the most joy. And I could never turn my back on Jesus
0: Christ for giving me that. So most people know this about you. And if you don't, you need to know this. You are an incredible runner. And in 2008, you did an Ironman. Why? (laughs)
1: Dad, we were hitting my 40th birthday and we saw someone in the grocery store wearing an Iron Man shirt. And he says, I bet you could do that. And I kind of laughed at him and thought, no way, I can run a marathon, but you can't add a 2.4 mile swim and a 112 mile bike ride on top of that and then run a marathon. And he says, I know you could. And uh, so we thought about it for a little bit. And then a friend of ours in the neighborhood, Derek Butters, he got hold of us, and he says, I think we should all train for one. And that began our fabulous journey. And so every we we came up with a, a training plan. And basically every day you have to do one or two events. And it's, I just would work through that plan every day. And usually Fridays and Saturdays would be longer workouts. But at this time, too, we had... Our kids, all five of you were in soccer at the same time. We didn't want to miss your soccer games or anything. And so, Dad and I would wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning and we'd come down and ride the stationary bike or we'd run on the treadmill or we'd go out for runs together with our headlamps and vests on so that we could get back here in time to take you to um, your soccer games and it was a wonderful time to be with dad and you get to a point where you just kind of go on cruise control and if you're running with someone and you're talking together the miles click by a lot faster We signed up for the St. George Ironman, and this was going to be the last year that St. George was doing the full Ironman. And it was ranked, was one of the hardest Ironmans because of the hills. And so we started doing it and we entered the water and immediately in Sand Hollow, the wind just went crazy. And we had five foot waves all around us and everyone wears big orange swim caps. And I was swimming along and I couldn't, See dad, he immediately got away from me. I was just trying to stay afloat and it's so hard when you have these waves crashing on you and you have other swimmers kicking you and and I thought, please don't let me see an orange cat below me because I can't save them. And there was such a panic of if Somebody was in need, I couldn't help them. The buoys had blown off course. And I was a strong swimmer, I competed in high school. We ended up, instead of swimming two and a half miles, the buoys blew so far we were swimming three and a half miles. Somehow dad got around it and I came out after dad. And that scared him because he expected me to be there sooner. And I remember coming out of the swim and he just had tears. And he was so happy to see me and just held me. And we didn't care about the transition. We just were happy to be back together. So then we got on our bikes and we rode and the wind somehow managed to be in our face the whole time. And we got through our first loop and I realized I was not fast enough. We were gonna miss the cutoff. And I was not going to be able to finish the Ironman. And I was heartbroken. And there was a outhouses, restrooms. And I went inside one and just cried. Because I hadn't done what I'd set out to do. But dad was smart. He knew I needed to finish this. He said, listen, there is another Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in six weeks. I will take care of the kids for the next six weeks. You train. I don't need to do another Ironman. But I want you to be able to finish. And so I worked on the bike. I rode all around Utah Lake. I practiced. I stepped up my game and then the whole family traveled up to Coeur d'Alene for me to begin and finish my Ironman and when I finished it was incredible but it wasn't because of me it was because of the whole family and how everyone had been there to support me and had sacrificed during that training so that I could enjoy hearing the words you Laura Gardner from Highland Utah you are an Ironman
0: I just have to say that that day I had such a profound experience so I was probably about 12 years old and we were all able to go with you if anyone has ever been able to experience being in person at an Ironman event it will be I promise you very emotional experience because you're watching people on the border of death and you see people at the finish line after like over 12 hours of pure intense exercise barely hanging on crawling the amount of people that were not on their feet as they were finishing the iron man it just showed how hard it was and then i see my mom the feeling that you have when you're watching someone suffer is the most powerful feeling of love and compassion. Watching my mom go through something so hard that her body is barely hanging on, like I would do anything for her in that moment. I would jump in her place. I wanted to make it stop for her and I just couldn't. I know she was doing that for us. I know that we were the ones that she was thinking of as she was crossing that finish line and it was a powerful moment to me as a 12-year-old. But I'm so grateful that you, Mom, you taught me that, and you went through something so hard, and then you, it taught me such a valuable lesson.
1: It was a huge accomplishment, and then dad and I started getting into pacing marathons. It was a volunteer opportunity. Back in 2016, I was uh, preparing to pace a half marathon, which I'd gotten why I didn't get sore running half marathons. And I went out and trained and I was in the best shape of my life. I had been going to a nutritionist and I felt good. And we started running and I got to mile 10 and I started feeling like I was going to black out. And I'd never felt this before. And I said, Steve, something's wrong. I'm about to pass out. Just then my boss pulled up on his bicycle. How are you doing? And I told Steve I can't focus I'm about to black out so your sweet dad would just talk to the our boss and you know entertain him during that part so that I could just focus on keeping up the speed and not blacking out and then as we got close to the finish line I told dad hurry get in front of me and catch me at the finish line because I'm going to black out I knew something was wrong because that had never happened to me before but I did end up going to my doctor and um, I said, you know, there's this lump on the back of my neck and I've had it for about a year, but it's not a big deal. The doctor was very concerned and said, I want you to get a, a CT scan immediately. And the next day, I ran to the grocery store with Lindsay. As we were walking out back to the truck, I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And I answered it. It was the doctor. And he said, is, t- is right now a good time to talk? And he told me, um, you have many lumps in your neck. All your lymph nodes are inflamed. I think you have lymphoma. And we need to get you scheduled immediately for a biopsy. And I handed the keys to Lindsay. I was shaking. I was talking to the doctor. And she needed to drive me home. I don't know how Lindsay stayed so calm. And I walked into the back room where dad was and i closed the door behind me and he kind of looked at me like what's going on i told him that the doctor had just called i told him that the doctor had said he thought i had lymphoma a cancer of the lymph nodes it was one of the most beautiful moments that dad and i have had and we just cried together and dad says whatever happened you just have to fight And I knew that I could because of all the training with the marathons and the Ironman. And and then the doctor said, we can't do a biopsy for three months. And I thought, there's no way I'm waiting three months to find out about this. I started calling ENTs, explaining my situation, and I called this one. His assistant heard me, and she came back and told me, he will stay late tomorrow and get you in to see him. He came to the same conclusion. I do think it's lymphoma too. So let's get you set up for a biopsy. But it came back negative, And that was a huge relief. I was frustrated because something still was going wrong. I went from 140 pounds to 109 pounds. And we couldn't find anything, and then my face started getting these horrible splotches and my hands and my fingertips hurt so bad, and they were bleeding, and I was getting flu-like symptoms every two weeks where it would I would be in bed every two weeks. And people were noticing. Um, I remember a neighbor coming up and saying, Okay, Laura, what's going on? You look horrible. And I know they had good intentions, but it crushed me. And I went into a dermatologist to try and figure out the rash all over my face, and they did biopsy it and they gave me this cream and said, use this, it'll help. And then a couple days later, they called up and said, please stop. Don't use that anymore. You just tested positive for lupus. You know, lupus basically, the body attacks itself, its organs. The lupus was attacking my skin, my joints and my blood. You got to be careful. I've learned when someone has lupus to not think, oh, I have a friend with lupus and they're fine.
0: So you got on meds. And that basically just treats the symptoms, or is that like fixing the lupus?
1: So, lupus isn't curable right now. And I tried different medications. The first one they put you on is um, a malaria med, which um, in COVID, President Trump thought cured. COVID and became very difficult for those of us who needed to stay alive that you just and, and it worked. Now I just um, stay on the hydroxychloroquine. I've got my white blood count up and my rheumatologist has declared I am in remission.
0: Mom, thank you for sharing your conversion story. You put it so well when you said you were going to church but you weren't active. I loved learning that you came back because of the loving example of your younger brother and from reading the Book of Mormon. You've proved to yourself and to me that you can do hard things, especially after completing an Ironman. And even though your life has never been the same after being diagnosed with lupus, you've continued to choose strength despite your circumstances. I love you so much, thank you for your example.